As we're about to read in Amos chapter 8, we're going to read Amos chapter 8 for the sake of time, beginning in verse 11. Um, have you ever heard of a, a, I guess you would call it a theological concept, principle, particularly as it pertains to prophets and prophecy of the law of double reference? Anybody ever heard of the law of double reference? The law of double reference, there's several ways the law of double reference can be applied. Uh, but in this particular case, um, it, it can be applied in type or, things, or in gap or in type gap, a combination or an unforeseen partial uh, I know that's all really tall grass for most of us. But it basically literally means what it says. And, and do, double reference and partial would be uh, reflected what we're about to read in Amos. There was a, uh, a direct prophecy to the, to the people at hand, people in his day, in his time, the children of Israel, as well as a fulfillment to come in the distant future and the fulfillment of time. Um, in that, and when it, both, the, both the, the, the partial being at the moment and in the fulfillment. I think you'll understand that in just a minute. But this would be a beautiful picture of the law of double reference. And it's what a lot of people, when they teach, particularly from Old Testament and a lot of um, um, theological mindsets that would try to tell you that the Old Testament was not relevant for now or that it was only, or that it's only relevant for Israel, that's neither, were, neither are true. All scripture. Paul made it clear to Timothy that all scripture was inspired and it was profitable for teaching, for doctrine. Uh, but as we dig in, uh, I think you'll understand a little more what we're talking about. So law, the, but the law of double reference applies here and we will explain as we go. Are you ready? Amos chapter eight, verse 11. Behold, the days are coming says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not of a famine of bread or of water, or, or not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. Now, did you hear? He said, there's a famine coming, said, there's a coming of famine, says the Lord. He says, and who's sending it? The Lord, it's a judgment. Let's be clear. This is this is this is a judgment because the word of the Lord is life. The word of the Lord is life. It says I it says the day. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. That behold word is always important. 
That's one of those you need to stop. He, he is making a, a, an exaggerated point for you. To, it's, it's a grand thing. It's, it's not a passing casual thing. When, when God tells you to behold something. Like how, how monumental of a moment is it when Jesus walks on the scene for the first time introduced as the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold is a big deal. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. And he goes to tell you it's not the typical famine. It's not the kind of famine where people don't have anything to eat or anything to drink physically. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will make that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of the hearing of the words of God. And then he begins to describe what it would look like. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Now let's turn to Amos, turn the page to Amos 9 and 11, and let's just read for just a moment. Then we're just going to walk through some things, if that's okay. Well, it's, it's what we're going to do anyway. I mean, it's, it's what we're going to do. <laughs> Wrong. Uh, Amos chapter 9, verse 11. On that day, when it changed from verse chapter 10 or 8 to, to 9, Amos has, a, has a, a, a vision where he saw where he sees the Lord. Much, much like Isaiah saw the Lord in Isaiah 6. And this comes after. Famine is pronounced of the hearing of the word, and destruction comes, and judgment falls. But then there's restoration on the way. Between these two verses, there's restoration on the way. On that day, verse 11, I will rise up, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and that all of the Gentiles, oh, there you go. He even told you that this involved more than Israel. Did you catch that? That all of the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing? Here's another behold. Behold the days are coming. When the plowman shall overtake the reaper. Now I want you to notice something in, the, in, verse, in, in chapter 8 and 11. The judgment was a famine. And now the restoration is a harvest. Just an observation. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes 
him who sows seed, the mountain shall drip with sweet wine and the hills shall overflow it. And I will bring back the captives of my people Israel and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. And they shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. And I will plant them in their land and they will no longer and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land which I have given them, says the Lord. They come out of Babylonian captivity and came to their homeland only to fall under Roman occupation. And as we know, I mean, most of us know, some of us might, but in year 70 AD, Rome utterly destroyed Jerusalem and Israel, all of it. And the Jewish nations were scattered all over the world with no homeland from 70 AD. That's how all over Europe during the 40s, when the Nazi Holocaust took place, they, they, were, they, the, they were all over, the Polish Jews, German Jews, Austrian, all over because the nation of Israel had been scattered in 70 AD. Everybody with me? It's important. Because what you, are, what you see at the end of, of Amos, of his prophecy, was fulfilled in part in the church age. That's now. Are you with me? This did not pertain to ancient Israel. They were, it says they will be restored again. This says that they will be restored again. I will plant in their land and, and no longer shall they be pulled up. For the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. That cannot be anything before 70 AD. Because in 70 AD they were pulled up in a fashion in which they had never been pulled up before. And from 70 AD to 1948, they were pulled up and scattered all over the world. So in the church age, the law of double reference, as I was saying, this speaks specifically and ultimately to the millennial reign of Christ. When the, when the tabernacle of David will be restored, whenever Israel, whenever the kingdom of Israel will be brought back together, when the new Jerusalem will be given, whenever Jesus will rule and reign from the throne of David and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. That is the ultimate fulfilling of Amos chapters 8 and 9. But like everything else that was prophesied for Israel in ultimate fulfillment in the millennial reign, there is a partial or mirror fulfillment of it in the church age. Are you with me? I know this is a little wonky, but it's important to know where we're at. It's important to understand what is being, what is being said. In light, I want to talk to you in light of even Sunday morning's message, which I have went back and listened to twice, by the way. I make me listen to me. You, you just suffer through it once. I usually suffer through it multiple times. And I said something Sunday morning that probably struck a chord in some people. And I said, Amer America, the world. I try not to talk in terms of America because America is not God's plan. 
The fig tree is not America. The, the fig tree is, is Israel. Now we're part of God's plan and that the, the light of the gospel has made America great. If anybody wonders why to make America great, it was not the Constitution or our, or our armies. What's made America great is, is the light of the gospel that, is, that, is, that has shown and, flow, and flowed from our shores. That our greatest export has been the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ. That is what when God, America has been blessed because America has blessed God. So it's not really about us, it's about the world. That's the judgment is here. And this is an important Wednesday. Hey, you're Wednesday night crowd. The faithful. Then we need to understand some things. And what, because I think when we hear those words, judgment, there's a lot of things that, 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 that may bring to mind of what, of what judgment is and what it looks like. And, uh, and sometimes it's confused with wrath. Wrath and judgment are two, th two different things. But judgment ultimately is always because God's own people turn their back on God. It's not talking about the world. Judgment doesn't fall because the world is terrible. Because the world's always been terrible. Ever since the fall, the world's been terrible. So terrible that when you went through Genesis 1, 2, and 3, talking about the creation and Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden and all those, by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, the whole, the whole earth is corrupt, all of it, save Noah and his family. He says that in the opening of, of, of Genesis 6, the whole earth was corrupt, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God destroyed the whole creation with a flood, save Noah and his family. God's righteous. This would be a good time to tell somebody, listen to me. When Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain became to such a place that it was no longer tolerable for God, he destroyed them, save the righteous. Remember? When Jericho, a terrible place, but the first city of conquest, you had Rahab, the harlot, that saved God's people. And they asked her, remember her, she asked her, remember her family when, when, when the annihilation came, when the armies came, and they said, if you'll gather your family into your house, and hang this scarlet thread, hang the red cord out your, out your window. When we come, when, how many know that the soldiers didn't tear down Jericho? There was no bombing, no air raid that tore down Jericho. No battering rams and bombs. That's not how Jericho fell. Jericho fell at God's hand. He said, if you'll gather your people in the house, your family, hang the, the, the scarlet thread out your window, when we come, your family will be spared. And I won't even take much time to tell you to go read the genealogy of Jesus Christ and you're going to find Rahab. I'm telling you all of that to tell you that people shouldn't be 
uptight about the word judgment and what it is. Because God has a history of sparing the righteous. That's why I, I'll go ahead and march on through just a minute. That's why I have such a terrible problem with theology that's taken over the entire church world today that says that the church is going to go through the tribulation all the way through or, or halfway through, that, that it's going to require, that God's going to require his people, the church, to go through wrath in order to cleanse the church. That's the theology. That it loses complete sight of how the church was cleansed. God has never used wrath to cleanse anything. We are cleansed, we are washed by the blood of Jesus. <laughs> you are saved by the blood. You're made heirs by the blood. You're washed clean by the blood. The blood of Jesus is what cleanses me and saves me from all unrighteousness. Not wrath. And God would, the God that never changes would have to change if he was going to pour out wrath on the body of Christ. He's never done it. Ever. That's one thing that people miss. I'll, talk, I'll teach you about learning who God is. Learning who he is, his character. Because who he is, his attributes, his character never changes. Can't change. So to, there, there, are, there are theologies and theories that you have to change who God's character. You have to change him in order to arrive at that way of thinking. And that's impossible. God's never changed. And he has never, not one time, whether, whether it was one man and his family, well, again, with Noah, same again with Lot, same, same again with Rahab. Whether it's just one man and his family, he's never destroyed what was righteous. And he's not going to today. He will pour out judgment on the earth. And is. He promised us. Here's one thing. I, I, I get. I, it's since we're just talking through it. And we're, and we're teaching it. And we're, and we're addressing Sunday. And, and then further on. You just allow me to be frank with you. I, I'm get, I get exhausted. With preachers that will rebuke the preacher. For saying how can you say that there's judgment. How can you. Oh there's judgment this. and there's ju I'm not up here flamethrowing. I'm telling you what the word says and what is promised and what it really is. I told you something. You can't rebuke judgment. People are always rebuking something. You can't rebuke judgment. When judgment comes, it's already been decided. And it's not in total ever. And it has a beginning and it has an end. Do we? And it, it has a beginning, it has an end, and it has a purpose. Amen. God, God didn't just get mad and throw fits. Now, Jr. might get mad and throw a fit. In fact, I can assure you he can and is capable. God doesn't get mad and throw fits. 
I'm talking to you in terms we understand. He, he, he never twists off. Never. He's never, God's just never flew off the handle. He's never done it. He's never, praise God, we'd be in trouble. Boom! Which is what would happen. I've told y'all before, if he left me in charge of it, I would, I would smoke some people and then feel really bad about it later. But they would be smoked already. And you would too. Oh, they weren't really that bad. Yeah? God never does that. I mean, you, you can come up and you say, well, what about, what about, uh, What was Eli's sons? Hophni and What about Nadab and Abihu? Yeah, him. <laughs> Burned them up for a strange fire. God didn't twist off. They were in direct conflict with what he had told them. And he told them what would happen. When, whenever uh, Uzzah. It says, when, it says that the ox stumbled. Remember they were carrying the ark, the, the ark of the covenant on, on the, a new cart. Remember they made a cart for it. Brought it in. It says they come to the threshing floor and the ox stumbled. And it says that Uzzah reached up to study the ark and the anger of God was kindled against him and he smote him. God didn't twist off. Everything they done was in direct disobedience to what God told them to do. And it was about all those that were about handling his presence. When it was Nadab and Abihu, it was about strange fire, how they handled the holy things. When it, was, when, it was, when it was Uzzah, it was how they handled the presence of the Lord. Whenever, unless you think God changed in the book of Acts, when, when, whenever Ananias and Sapphira decided that they were going to lie about the things of God when they didn't have to. And gave them the opportunity not to. And they did. And God struck them dead. And Ananias and Sapphira come in and says, hey, did you sell this for such and such? Yes, for such and such. Are you sure about that? Yeah, for such and such. Well, the men, behold, the men that carried out your husband is here for you. Lest anybody think God had changed. Lied about what did they have? Did they have to, God didn't require that sale of them in their, in their giving. They come to lie just to lie. Okay? Make no mistake. I went back and let, we're under judgment. And we say that like it's a bad thing. No, it's a promise thing. I don't, do I want that? No. Do you want that? Absolutely not. What does that mean for us? We don't know completely. But I, here's the things I do know. I won't back up. Here's the things I don't know. Look at me. Listen to me. There's some things I'm confident of. Therefore, I'm not afraid. I was talking about it just yesterday with a, over a different subject. I am absolutely confident in God's mercy and in His grace. I'm I know He's rich in mercy. 
I'm absolutely confident in his righteous judgment. I'm absolutely confident that he is just. I'm absolutely confident. If I am absolutely confident that God is just, then I don't have to fear his judgment. If I am absolutely confident that he is righteous, that he is rich in mercy and full of grace, I do not have anything to fear if I live in obedience to him. Nothing to fear. So it's not a bad thing. It's a hard thing. It's bad on the, it's bad on the rebellious. But it's also the fault of the rebellious. The way, exactly. What reminded, I was going to get there. She helped me. The wages of sin is death. Judgment is earned. This is not the final judgment. This is not the judgment seat of Christ. This is not, this is not the great white throne judgment. This is, this is the time when, when, when mankind has went so far because of the blessings of God. It's a vicious cycle all throughout human history. Go read. Go read the Old Testament. Go read the Old Testament. You'll see something that remained true over and over and over that God blessed his people and in their blessing, they no longer needed him. And there's a really interesting thing that holds true every single time. That right before God judged the nations of Israel in the Old Covenant, when, they, when he blessed them, they rebelled and judgment is coming. Every single time he poured out abundant prosperity on their nation. For the sake of showing them his goodness and they could return because of the goodness of God. Do you hear me? And they never do. They never do. When God blesses, people take advantage. And they began, human pride begins to play into the factor, begins to factor into the picture. And that begins to be I, 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 I. Yes. And here in Amos, he says, I will send a famine in the land. It's a famine, not of bread, not of thirst for water. But it's a famine of the hearing of the word of God. Did you hear something? He didn't say there would be a famine of the word of God. In the world today, there is more opportunity to hear the truth of the gospel than any time in human history. Literally at your fingertips all over the world at any time of day that you want to hear YouTube, Vimeo, any social media platform, any website of any ministry that's truly preaching the Word of God, it is available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's everywhere. Now, there's a lot of false, but, there, but the truth of the gospel the light of the gospel is available more today 
than any other time. Period. Undeniable. Nobody can argue that. And we're in some of the worst times spiritually and heading into some of the worst times spiritually that the world's ever known. And it's not because there's a famine of the Word of God. It's because there's a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. In America, America's problem is not that it's not evangelized. That's not the world's problem. The world, our problem is not that there's not enough preachers and there's not enough gospel. The problem is, is the gospel is presented and people have rejected the gospel. That's the problem. It's not a problem of, of lights not offered. It's a problem of lights not wanted. Jesus talked about in John 3. After he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, he said, he sent not a son into the world to condemn the world that through him the world might be saved. Remember that's in John 17. Then in John 18 he talked about men that preferred the darkness. That preferred the darkness. Did you hear that? That prefer the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Preferred the darkness. The word of the living God is under attack like no other time. Because there's never been a time there's been more means to attack the word of God than there is today. And within the so-called, I say so-called body of Christ, the word is still being rejected. It's called the apostate church. People don't like me to talk about that either. But balanced preachers are preaching the whole counsel of God. They're saying that there, that there, that there is a rise and an outpouring of a, and, a, and a blowing of the Spirit of God. And there is. Make no mistake that, that the world is in, is in judgment but the Spirit of the Lord, but the Spirit of the Lord is, is moving again too. What? Do you know what judgment looks like? Talked a little bit about Sunday. Judgment begins when, it, when, when evil men get their way because it's wanted. Because that's what people want. When you want evil and you don't want godly leadership, and you don't want the ways of God, when you when you've refuse the light, when you, when, you don't, when you hear what's true and you reject what's true, you are literally asking for judgment. Y'all are quiet. There's not, let me say it a different way. There, when you reject what's true and you desire what's wrong, when you reject light and desire and desire darkness, there's literal, let's say it this way, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. When God steps back. Do, you, do we realize that a whole lot of what God does in judgment, it's not God 
Sometimes it's God actually doing something. Sometimes and often it is God just pulling his hands back. That's judgment. Because when God steps back, there's only, there, nothing exists in a vacuum. There's only one thing left. And it's nothing more than getting what you ask for. It is nothing more, in a sense, not even a sense, it is, it is the Bible's everything is, everything in the Word of God is judged by fruit. We are judged by fruit. Evil is judged by fruit. Everything bears fruit. Every. Y'all get that calf looking at a new gate look sometimes. Turn to John 10. Because we need to talk about that one just a second. Lest you think the pastor's crazy. Well, I might be, but I'm right. Since it's right in front of me and I can't see it, I'm looking it up real quick. That's not the one I'm looking for. Let's go to Matthew 7. Yes, because I told you, you're known by your fruit. We talked about that actually last Wednesday night. We went to John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remember, those bear fruit, do not bear fruit that he prunes, pulls back up, gives them the chance to bear fruit. If they don't bear fruit, he cuts it off, burns it in the fire. He says, I would that you would do a few things. He said, I would that you would bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. He says, I would that you bear fruit. To you. You need to, you, I need you to bear fruit. Then when you bear fruit, I want you to bear more fruit. And when you bear more fruit, I want you to bear much fruit. And, when, and he said, and then there's something else that Jesus said, same chapter. He says, I would that you bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Oh, there's that again. Your fruit has to remain. So that's the mark of a believer is what? 
Fruit. He wants you to be fruity. Some of you got that down. Hello? But it's also the mark of, uh, of, of the false. Everything bears fruit. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets. Matthew chapter 7, 16 or 15. Beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. You'll know who by their fruit? The false prophet, the false teacher. That our appearance have an appearance of, of sheep, but internally they're ravenous wolves. Every oh, every how many how many good trees? Even so, uh, back up sixteen. You you were there. I'm, I'm I'm messing you up. I'm sorry. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes? That's a question. No. Or figs of thistles? No. No, you gather thorns of thorn bushes and thistles of thistles. You, be, you, you gather figs of fig trees and grapes of grapevines. Right? Even so, every, how many? Every. every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. Keep scrolling. This is good. It's in red, by the way. A good tree cannot, somebody say cannot, bear bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, verse 19, every tree, how many? That does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, verse 20, therefore, he told you all that very plainly and then said therefore, which means in light of what I just said again, by their fruit, you shall know them. And in the context of that, he said, not everyone who says to me in that day, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does, well, who, who enters the kingdom of heaven? But he who does, But he who, what? Does the will of the Father. I wanted you to notice something. It doesn't even say he who believes the will of the Father. It says he who does the will of the Father. But whosoever does, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name? Have we not done wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, depart from me. And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, I'm just wanting to fall out on the floor right now. Behold, the day is coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, 
not of thirst for water, but of the hearing of the word of God. Jesus said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto the wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came, the floods, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. I want you to notice, go some, every church that Jesus addressed in Revelation 2, 3, and 4, every one of them, every one of them, he said, he said in a really interesting phrase, there's coming, there, there's coming a day, says the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of, of bread, not a, a, a famine of thirst for water, but a famine of the hearing of the word of God. And when, you, when there's a famine of the hearing of the word of God, it says they will wander from sea to sea, from north to east. Because see, when, there, when there's no word, there's no order. When there's no word, when there's no word, when there's no hearing of the word, there is no order. There is no civilization. There is no, it, the Bible says, God does what? Everything in decency and in order. God is not. He is not the author of confusion. Does it come from him? When there's no hearing of the word, there's no order. He said something interesting to every church that he addressed. He says, let them which has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to the churches. There has to be a hearing of the word. And when there's a hearing of the word, there has to be a doing of the word. And when you develop a church and a, and a, and a spiritual climate, whenever whenever actually living for God is no longer needed, First John, oh, I am in First John, turns out. First John addressed two things. I told you he address, it, address, it addresses Gnosticism and it addresses antinomianism. That's the errors that, that it addresses. Gnosticism, that man can come to just a, just a superior knowledge of God and, and achieve salvation. That's Gnosticism. Salvation through greater knowledge. Antinomianism is that no law. And First John teaches that both of them are wrong. That you're not going to get... Paul addressed it with the... I didn't come to you. When I came to you, I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. He said, I didn't come with a, he said, I didn't come to you, but with a demonstration of the of power in the spirit. He was talking to the great thinkers. He was, he was talking to the thinkers of his day. He said, he said, he said, y'all, y'all talk all this high things. And I, he said, he said, my, when I, my, he said, I come to you in fear and with much trembling because he wasn't a great speaker, but he was great in knowledge. He says, it's not with enticing words of men's wisdom. It's not knowledge. And in Romans 6 and 7, he talks about the, spiritual, the spirituality of the law and that the law is right. And that how would I know I was sinning if there was no law? But the law has no power to keep me out of sin. 
And then there was the idea that Jesus, that all you believe on him, and that's all that's necessary. But belief that's just mental assent. See, we got to understand, it's 815. How is it possibly 815 already? How could it possibly be 815? Because there is a belief that the devils have no trouble with. Do you hear me? There is a belief that, the, that don't even give the devil any heartburn. It says if you believe that Jesus is, you do well. He said because even the devils believe and tremble. They not only believe, they tremble. But the believing that saves you is the believing that changes you. The believing that saves you is the believing that, that bears fruit. The, be, the believing that saves you is the believing that finds, that finds you doing. James said, do not be hearers only of the word. But what? Doers of the word. I believe Jesus himself said, asked some questions about when, I, when the Son of Man returns, will he find what? Faith on the earth? And he asked, will you be found doing? There is a famine of the hearing of the Word of God in America, and it is judgment. And when there's no hearing of the Word of God, there is chaos because the people will want. You wonder why that people are doing crazy things in the street? Because there's no hearing of the Word of God. And when there's no hearing of the Word of God in its absence, it's hell, it's chaos. When men are left to their own devices, they will destroy themselves. And when God, it's simply the case of God taking his hands off and saying, okay, you don't want me? All right. But you get what happens when you don't want me. But the good news is, see, it is good news. It is a privilege to live today. I don't like what I see. And sometimes, it is, lately, it is no fun to be the kind of preacher I am. Because I mostly love what I do, for the most part. Sometimes the burdens are heavy. My burdens, the church's burdens, your burdens. Sometimes the burdens are extremely heavy. But he gives me grace to carry the load. Sometimes it, it is great. It, 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 I, I, you love, I love to come to the pulpit and preach. It's my great joy. Whoa, Paul, what Paul says, woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. Sometimes it's no fun at all. And when you're the kind of preacher, I was talking to another preacher today, I said, you know, I can no more change who I am, I've tried. I said, I don't want to preach that. You know what I found? I've told you before, I don't want to preach this. I don't want to preach that. For one thing, I made promises to God when I answered the call that I would preach whatever he asked me to, whenever, wherever, to whomever, and let the chips fall where they may. Amen. I made that promise a long time ago. Might not have made it if I'd have known it. But I did. And I tried to be a man of my word. That's one. And the other thing is, is when I say, I, I have had to, there's a lot of, that's a lot of book, isn't it? I said, I don't want to preach that. He said, all right, you do it. 
And I go through that thing and there's not a message in that whole book. I mean, not a message. I don't think, there's, there's been times I couldn't have preached John 3, 16 that Jesus saves, but I could because I couldn't find in the book. I'm telling you, something's got something's to resonate a little to be able to come and talk about it. It's still a privilege. People don't like what I say. Sometimes it's still a privilege. Sometimes you don't like what I say. It's still a privilege. Sometimes I don't like what I have to deal with. It's still a privilege. Sometimes uh, people are, you're misunderstood and not liked. It's still a privilege. Sometimes, but what I do know is the fruit of, of preaching the truth is that people are set free. If they hear the word. See, I'm not responsible for your hearing. Because I don't have, I, I, there's no burden for me to cause you to hear correctly. And I learned a long time ago, people hear what they want to. Oh, there's sometimes I say, now look at me. Have you, y'all remember, I do that. So look at me. Listen very carefully. Lest you leave and say, the preacher said this when I did not say that. You know what? They still leave and say what they want to. Let them who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches. There is a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread. We're still eating or water. And they're still preaching. And the Word of God's still going forth. But there's a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. It's available. There's a famine of hearing. And it will bring the same thing. In fact, this is the law of double reference. We're living in the time where Israel has been brought back from scattered among the nations in 1948 for the first time. There's never been a nation in, in history that as ever what has happened to Israel has happened to any other nation. It's never, there has never been a time when a nation that was scattered, that didn't have a homeland, that didn't have a common language, that didn't have, that didn't have a, 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 a royalty or a king or that, that, that was literally made out of nothing into something overnight, literally. With the signing of an agreement, a nation was born in a day prophesied and from that time to this the Jewish people have, have gathered back to their homeland by the millions I said they'll never be scattered again it's the it was the beginning of the fulfillment of Amos chapters 8 and 9 of their scattered when they didn't hear the word he scattered them they wandered to and fro there was the literal image that he said was coming is that fulfilled when Rome scattered them. But there was a regathering in, Romans, in, in Amos chapter 9. And, and unless you think I am messed up in my theology, it says I'll bring you back from the edges of the earth. And it says, and the Gentiles that love me and believe with you. It began the fulfillment that's ultimately going to carry out in the millennial reign of Christ, ultimately, in its completeness, has began in the church age and we're a part of it. And that fulfillment will involve the day that the Bible says that the day is coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overcome the reaper. It's in and with and incorporated with the scattering and the judgment and the, and the, and the, and the, and the God allowing 
What comes when there's no hearing of the word? It's not a bad day. There's bad things happening, but it's a prophesied day. I told you earlier, God, God, when, God, when, when judgment comes, it's not God didn't twist off and have a bad day and throw a fit. It was an appointed time. And it'll have, a, it'll have an established beginning and it'll have an established ending. When will this one end? I think I can tell you. I think it'll happen. I think that, that what is happening now will end you know, when, 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 when Paul told Timothy the dangerous times will come, perilous. All those things. I, y'all get tired of hearing first, Second Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4. By the, it's still in there. It's still in there. And he said it's how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. Go read it. It's still in there. When's it going to end? When it says... That the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. It says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. I don't have time to teach an eschatology class tonight. For all y'all people that think there's no rapture and that's all second coming, second coming is the Lord comes to earth and sets his feet on it. Second advent, he comes, sets his feet on the earth. In Thessalonians, in the Thessalonican letter, it was, it was that the dead in Christ and the even alive and remain are caught up to meet the Lord where? In the air. That's when it's going to end. And that's when wrath will begin. See, he doesn't pour out wrath on his own. Never has, never will. I'm confident in that. He said all of that. He said, wherefore, in light of the Lord's coming, shout, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever, how long? Ever. When, how long are we going to meet the Lord? Ever. How, so shall we ever be with the Lord and he said, what? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Why in the world would you need comforting? For one thing, you've been living in the days of chaos, in the days of trouble, in the, day, in the, days, of, in the days of judgment, in the days of all the consequences of rejecting. And it's the, see, the rapture of the church is the blessed hope, Amen. the Bible says. It's our hope. It's our blessed hope. It's not, it's not escapism. Foolishness. It's not escapism. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to escape God's plan. I want to be a part of God's plan. And my hope is, that's future, hope is future, faith is now. My hope, my, my, in other words, my future is, I'm going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I've always found it crazy, the people that think we're going to go through tribulation. It's going to be a time worse than ever was or ever was, ever has been, ever will be. If the days wouldn't shorten, the man's heart would fail them for fear. 
that you're talking about a billion, you're talking about 75% plus of the world's population being killed, wiped out. You're going to go through it. Comfort one another with these words. Stop it. No. We're living in a lawless time. First John chapter 2. Lawless. Sinful. By the way, sin is lawlessness. Do you know that sin is lawlessness? And, and all the lawlessness, he said, you said, you've heard that, many, that the Antichrist is coming. He said, I'm telling you that many Antichrists are already here, they're already at work, and you're living in the days of the lawless. But there's good news because sin is lawlessness. There's good news in Romans chapter 6, he says, because Paul told me, because, I mean, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. It is. Lawlessness is getting worse. It is getting worse. There's good news. That is good news. Do you know that's good news? How many of you in this, in this house knows the fact that lawlessness is getting worse? It's good news. I'll tell you how to know lawlessness is good news because law, sin is lawlessness. And Paul told us, he says, where iniquity, sin, lawlessness does abound. Grace does much more abound. See, when, God, when there's lawlessness everywhere and, and God's letting people have the consequences of their lawlessness, there's one thing you can be assured of. As long as the body of Christ here, that grace is abounding. And then whenever it gets worse, that grace gets bigger. Whenever it gets darker, grace gets bigger. Whatever, whatever, what is grace going to do? Grace is going to give you everything you need to not only survive in it, but to thrive in it. What is grace going to do? Remember, grace is doing in you, God doing in you, through you, for you, what you can't do for yourself. But when, you live in it, when you're living in the grace of God, no matter how bad it gets out there, grace gets bigger. Amen. He'll give you grace for the day. Grace for the hour. Grace for the moment. He said, don't even take a thought when they drag you before the magistrates and the courts and, and the people that can throw you in the slammer. He said, don't even give a thought to it. He said, why? Because when you get there by my spirit, I'll give you the words to say. He didn't say nothing in this world was going to happen. He said, he promised that it was. And we're there. Yes, I will double down, triple down, quadruple down, ten times down. That we are in the judgment of God. And when people don't turn, it, God will turn it up. Let me tell you what's going to happen. God's turning up. They're rejecting him. He'll turn it up some more. That's going to happen. Why? Because he... He loves you enough to do whatever it takes. He loves the people that reject him enough to do whatever he can to cause them to turn. What is it? Grace abounding towards them. By the way, he, he told you, I will cause my grace to what? Abound towards you. And yes, the leadership that we have is judgment. Go to Romans, I can't take you all the way to Romans chapter 1 tonight, but I can tell you where it is. I can tell you where to go read. I can tell you to go to, and, and watch the progression. You've heard me teach it before. You want me to tell you what else is judgment? Because we live in an age of perversion. All kinds of perversion. 
And Romans chapter 1 tells you about when people begin to slip into conversion and God does these, he does things to try to turn them back. And there's, there's, there's a downward slide and, he come, and you come to the place he says, well, I'm going to turn you over to, to your desire, to what you want. In other words, I'm going to let you want it, you got it. I'm not going to deal with you. I'm just going to let you have it. He says, I'll turn you over to a debased mind, a reprobate mind. I'll just let you have it. Go read Romans chapter 1. Homework. Go read it. You know, because you know what he said? He said, they received the judgment of their sin within them. There are sin, I'm not going, I don't have time to open the Pandora's box. There are sins going on today rampant in this society that God says, that's what you want, okay. And he says, that very thing that's got you bound is judgment. Because I turned you over to it, now you got it. See, we have a messed up idea of what judgment is. When God, God said, you know what judgment is? is you want it? I got it. I'm not even going to deal with you about it anymore. You know why? Because when God don't deal with you about it, you won't change. That is judgment. Because if, you, if the Spirit of God don't t- deal with you, you're not coming. There's only one way to get there. If He doesn't deal with you, if I, if I turn you over to it, Anybody ever had somebody that you just watched? You just, all right. That's a judgment. You have made a judgment. And you're not God. I'm just trying to get you to understand that when you, when, when you have some say in it and they've, they've, they've rebelled and they've rebuffed and they've rejected until you, you say, it could be this, it could be But I can tell you what you've done. You, you have, okay, I'm not going to intervene for you. I'm not going to bail you out of jail. Yeah. Some of the people, that seems to be more relevant lately than others. Boy, I'd throw that stink bomb out there, huh? If y'all want to know anything about that, Matt will be in the lobby. And the worst. <laughs> Amos chapter 9. New Living Translation. Verse 9.13. Let's do 11. Amos chapter 9, 11. We're quitting. In that day. That's a specific day, by the way. In that day. You know that Amos prophesied, that they prophesied a day that Israel would come back together never to be scattered again thousands of years ago and there was a day. There was a day that it happened. In April of 48. It was, on God's, it was on God's calendar before the foundations of the world. It was on his calendar. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, you know what? It was on his calendar. You know, it was at the time of the evening sacrifice when Jesus, you know what? What is it? They crucified him at the time of the morning sacrifice. 
and he died at the time of the evening sacrifice, you know what? It was on his calendar. All, it was on, it, it was on the, it was in, not in the chronos of time, it was in the kairos of time. It was on his calendar. In that day, I will restore the fallen house of David. I will repair its damaged walls. I, from the ruins, I will rebuild it and restore it to its former glory. And Israel will possess what is left of Edom. And all the nations I have called to be mine, that's the Gentiles, that's us. Nations is not, is not continents, nations is people. When the Bible talks about nations, it's not talking about Africa and Asia and China and, and European countries. It's, but it says, in all the nations, that's people. When all the nations I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken and he will do these things. And the time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. That's New Living Translation. King James says, the day will come when the plowman shall overcome the reaper. New Living, the time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. And then the terraced vineyards of the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. And I will bring my exiled people of Israel back from distant lands and they will rebuild their ruined cities and, and live in them again. And they, that started happening in 1948. If you don't believe we're in a time, in the time when that says, will come, says the Lord, that the plowman shall overcome the reaper, then you need to check up. They will come and build the ruined cities. They will live again. They will plant vineyards and gardens and they will eat of their crops and drink of their wine and I will firmly plant them there in their own land and they will never be uprooted. And, and, and the land I have given them says the Lord your God. I may hit it again Sunday on the, on the plowman shall overcome the reaper because it's literally talking about a time that he will accelerate the, the harvest, the planting. See, because God says, by the way, Genesis says, as long as time, re as long as, as things remain, there'll be seed, time, and harvest. That's natural progression. That's natural law. Seed, you don't get seed harvest. Natural progression is seed, time. How many of you ever waited for that first sprout? You planted, you did it right now, aren't you? Seed. Now it's time. Harvest. That's natural order. But supernatural order is there's coming a time, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. There's coming a time. Verse 13, New Living. The natural order thing is just plant the seed, wait on the things to come up, cultivate, harvest, water, and wait for harvest. A time comes, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. The harvest is not about fruit trees doing well. The harvest is about the nations and the souls. And that he's going to expedite the time at the end, at the, at the, in the time of restoration, that he's going to accelerate natural time and the natural harvest right before it's over. The harvest is plentiful. And we're in that time. So you don't need to be concerned about that we're under judgment. Oh, it's going to be shocking. Nobody said you wouldn't be shocked. I am shocked sometimes. Amen? 
I saw yesterday where bands of teenagers in Los Angeles just came through restaurants and just destroyed the place. Like 30, 40, they were saying the word, they were stopping, they just blew through the place full of customers and literally destroyed the place and left. That's happening all over. Senseless, crazy murders happening all over. People crossing the border. Dummies. There's two things that can be true at the same time. There's two. Can we have the ability to think again? There's some things that can be true at the same time. I'm not dumb enough to cross at Brownsville, Texas to go get a tummy tuck. I'm not being, it's a horrible tragedy. I'm not, I'm not making fun of them. It's tragic. But there's going to be people who say, well, they should have never done that. They should have never done that under the circumstances. But you know what? They should never have to worry about the circumstances that that would occur. That's lawlessness. There's places in Houston and Beaumont and Little Rock and that I'm not going and you're not going. There's places in Memphis, school teacher here back this summer, just jogging down the road. A man abducts her, rapes her, shoots her in the back of the head, and, and you know, they find her three days later. There should never be a time in this country or any other where a person can't run down the street of their own town and have to worry about being abducted and killed. But that's where we're at. That's lawlessness. So the fact that they shouldn't have went there under the circumstances is true. But the fact that they shouldn't have had to give their life is also true. We are accepting in this country. We accept in this country that there's neighborhoods where you don't get to go into. And streets we can't walk down. And places you can't go after dark. That's an acceptance that should have never happened. Because you are literally accepting lawlessness. And we just accept it. Judgment. And it's getting darker. We're, we're iniquity. Lawlessness. Sin does abound. Grace does much more abound. Thank you, Lord, for helping me tonight. Just that we can understand. Just that we can understand where we're at. See, our people, your people perish for a lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge comes, uh, see, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge comes from your word. And when we don't hear it, there's a lack of knowledge. People perish. Lord, thank you that you give us, will interrupt our predetermined program to just explain to us in everyday language where we're at. Lord, I'm thankful. And Lord, I know that knowledge in you is truly power. Lord, now go with us. And let us understand that we're in a day of harvest as Mac Church. That we're here to proclaim truth and that we're here to send laborers into the field. And that, the, that we're in a time of accelerated harvest. And Lord, we want to be on the reaping team. Send laborers into the field, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.